this guy says that he saw these little stars going out in the distance and these yeah. weird little filaments connecting them. And basically what he deduced with, with his very impressive scientific language was that there's a plant that is just swallowing up stars using the light yeah. to survive and like swallowing up stars, um, which there's a lot of issues with, I think, but, but in general. Um, so yeah, that, what would happen is in 27 years, that plant's going to eat our sun yeah. and then we would freeze to death. We would so that pretty cool that will there. be pretty painful. <laughs> That's true. Also, like I think the post the the one part of the post that doesn't seem credible to me is that it's too good of a story. Like it's too yeah. Like the way the guy writes it, he's a scientist and he writes like fucking Stephen King. And if yeah. I know anything about scientists, they are like they they write like textbooks and like yeah, this yeah, yeah. isn't he was like and then there was a pause in the room and blah 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 it, it was so like <laughs> it's, it's so dramatic i'm like no okay yeah. i think the part that i was having trouble with was the uh the star swallowing plant in outer space <laughs> we're men okay that means a few things men sometimes have strange motives for the things they do but we are still proud or if a man loses pride in manhood, he is nothing. I'm a man. I'm sensitive. Confronted with their true selves, most men run away screaming. Isn't this a strange conversation for men who aren't crazy? You make me want to be a better man. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Welcome in, everybody, one and all. This is the Betterman Film Club. I am Nick Flora. I'm David Gregory. All day, he's Dave Gregory. All day, er day. <laughs> Clearly, there's no V in that, that word. Um, uh -uh. This, is, this is the podcast where Dave and I, we use the lens of film to dissect and explore and challenge the messaging and social conditioning that men have received in the last century, both the positive and the problematic, all in hopes to be ah, better. <laughs> That was a great. Honestly, I I've been I've been feeling just like that uh for like that at is, least half that of my uh, day. That is how I felt all day. Uh -huh. Um we were talking pre-roll uh before we got started here, Dave and I were talking about just the amount of just existential angst and kind of dread and kind of just like worry we've we've had today. And it, which is interesting cuz I'm in Little Rock, he's in Dallas, so it's like yeah. it's kind of weird. And you are you are a, days, you are a chronic optimist. I am an Enneagram seven, which means mm -hmm. I'm always running from pain into <laughs> some fun distraction. Sure. And somehow today it, it crept up on us both. Yeah, I wouldn't even say I, I'm 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 a, I'm an optimist that's paying attention. So I'm always <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm always in a, some struggle with that. I back I forth. would say I don't know. You tell me how you feel about this. I would say you are a deliberate optimist. Ooh, I'll take I feel that. like you make yeah. the decision to be like, nah, you know, what, it's man? a choice. It is. I think because at the end of the day, I always end literally at the end of the day before I go to bed where I'm like, okay, do I stay up all night worrying about this thing or do I just put myself to sleep? Yeah. I, I always feel like I land at the crossroads because I have this ability to like be of two minds. So I'm, I'm so sorry to laugh yeah. in the middle of that. Oh yeah. You can sing it. Go ahead. My, no, my horrible little, uh, abused church boy mind <laughs> i just i was expecting you to go i always just land at the cross <laughs> 
and it's not at all what you were saying, and it's probably wow. not funny to anyone was, who didn't grow about, up in the South. I was about to launch into a hymn, and the the <laughs> song that came in my head to, as a joke, the song that I was about to sing a hymn as a yeah. joke, and the song that landed in my head was, and I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> That's not a hymn. That's not, not a, a hymn. Not a hymn, guys. I mean, depends on who you ask, but anyway, I'm so yeah. sorry. You land but at the crossroads. I, I do land at the crossroads, Bone Thug style, and I tend to... So either way, I like it, this, the scales are even. And at the end of the day, I literally, I choose optimism because it feels like first off, like the braver choice because yeah. having hope, especially in these days seems like the stupidest thing to do. But honestly, I'd rather live with the idea of hope than walk around being like everything's shit. What's the point all the time, which is essentially nihilism. And uh, yeah. nihilists really annoy me because I, I ultimately believe, and I want, and I want to know how you operate in this space too. Cause I don't think we, which this leads right into this movie, which is it really kind of, does kind of amazing that we're starting here because we don't always start, you know, there's not Ever. a through line usually. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. 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 We don't always start. And, uh, but when we do, we have a podcast, yeah. um, but I, I always, I, I try to, uh, you know, this wrestling back and forth nihilism, nihilists piss me off because they choose to see the all the, all the shit in the world and all the things in the world that are going are going bad and that you know and those are out there but if you look for positive reinforcement too those are out there too they're like beautiful there's beauty in the world and there's yeah. also darkness and horrible stuff in the world and if you look for either one of them you will find it and so you really will nihilists completely ignore the positive side of it and 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 the beauty of the world and I, I think anyway, if there are any nihilists, listen, please, please inform me. But the nihilists that I know personally really annoy the shit out of me. So where do you where do you land with that stuff? First off, if there are any nihilists listening, please tell us how you feel uh, under your five star review on Apple Podcasts. That would be that's that's mm. where we read uh, always existential the feedback. Always I love it. OK, no, uh, we I again, Enneagram seven, which all that should tell you about me. doesn't tell you a lot about my personality other than my motivation. And honestly, like I, I really do avoid pain. Uh, so, and by pain, not just physical pain, but like Mm -hmm. tasks, I don't want to do conversations. I don't want to have confrontation. I'm, I'm not, I'm not anti-confrontational. You know that more than a lot of folks. Yeah, You're not, Um, I I embrace confrontation, but I don't like want to, like, I just want to have a good time. And so I think where I land with this is the older I get, the more logical I become, the more worried I always am about like everything. I think since 2020, a lot of folks are, you know yeah, what I mean? Same. Like it was just mm-hmm. a, we had a, because not because things got worse necessarily. I'm not saying they didn't get worse, but that's I think ultimately what happened is we all had too much time to sit and think about things. And that's what I'm learning. The older I get is that like um, this whole um God, where was I hearing this? I want to say this was, I mean, I've heard this this idea a million times, but I want to say it was a film recently, but I can't remember. Anyway, but like the whole idea that like, it's such a curse, like knowledge and intelligence, it really uh-huh. is. Uh-huh. Like if you can just, if you can be blessed with a certain level of ignorance, a certain level of like Seriously. mental simplicity, I don't try, I'm not trying to say like, oh, my intelligence, what a bird. I don't even mean it that way, but like. It kind of is though. It really is though. When you sit down and logically look at what's happening in the world, in our country, in your state, in at your job you can get as granular as you want to it's very Uh easy to get to become nihilistic to become negative but when i take a step back from that and just go like you know what like kind of that that we quoted it a lot i have uh mark rylance's character in bridge of spies where it's like aren't you worried aren't you worried would it help would it would it help 
And the more I try to embrace that and just go like, you know what, is it going to make this situation better? Is it going to improve your relationships? Is it going to improve your mental health tonight? Like, no. So, you know what, sit on the porch and just enjoy uh, the sunset or just go, you know, go bake in the sun that you've been complaining about all day. So it is it's like a conscious decision to abandon logic um, Mm -hmm. is like an it's like a necessity for me. Like, I I truly believe everyone needs to find a healthy activity that helps them turn their brains off for a little while, you know. And honestly, like you're, I like you talking about going granular because like for me, a lot of that is just what helps me connect with myself. Like what helps me yeah. feel like me? What's a genuine, authentic, well, it, you know, for a long time it was music and it mm. got kind of got sullied a little bit because of, it became my job. And so I didn't want to do it for fun anymore. And I've started finding the fun in that anymore, but like, hang out, like talking to my kid, like honestly, just talking to my kid on the headset while we would game together. Like I, it, like anything that helps me feel you know, like, like myself and like nothing is required of me other than to show up as me. Um, that, that kind of stuff helps out a lot, but it really is. It's, it's Uh, a, it's a, it's a struggle. It's a wrestling match. It 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 really is. And actually on that note, like we were saying, this is a perfect segue. This, this movie before sunrise that we're going to talk about the first of the trilogy was like, I swear to God, like the antidote. It was the answer. It was this, how, have I not seen this movie okay. before now? I want, I, okay, let's just get into it because I, okay, so if you guys didn't listen to the last couple episodes, um, which I know you did, but in, let's pretend you did. Um, I am, this this came up over a text conversation because we Dave and I are doing this thing. Uh, we've done one episode where, where we try to find a movie that one of us hasn't seen and the other one maybe like enjoys a great deal and we kind of like, get a fresh perspective and then, and then an action and then like a kind of lived in perspective yeah. uh, to kind of tackle a, a movie from all sides. And cause it, you know, it's fun to watch and talk about, I love you, man. Cause we both have such a deep or were those types of movies about time mm-hmm. or whatever. But uh, so I was trying to come up with some that I hadn't seen. Cause whenever I have to think about that stuff, I can't come up with anything. I'm like, wait, yeah. I had a, you know, a running list in my mind at some point. Anyway, th- this movie came up and I, or these movies came up and I was like, in my mind, this is like a Dave Gregory movie. And because oh people have, and, and here, here's what's crazy. So just randomly. And then I hit it to you and then you were like, dude, I haven't, we should do that. And now we're here. But like, I mean, without even seeing it, I feel like when I was watching, I was like, this is such a Dave Gregory movie <laughs> and a Nick Flora movie. Like this is right up our alley. It's picking our pockets, my man. Dude, like, it's crazy. Like, I don't even know how quick, like there, <laughs> there wasn't a moment from the moment that film started that I didn't immediately know, Oh my God, yeah, this yeah. is my movie. Incredible. This was made for me. Like, I'll be honest. Like yeah. I need to figure out my top five again. This Seriously. is, I'm not going to touch I'm, it until I get a few no, months away from yeah. this. No joke. Cause no joke. like recency bias is a real deal. And I still haven't mm. even seen the next two sequels. Like even if we haven't seen the next two sequels, this movie is a standalone. Like it, yeah. it really, it really is. So even if this dude, this movie was in 1995, which Unreal. the 1995 of it all really brought me a lot of comfort because it, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, Oh, first off, why didn't somebody shove this in my face and make me watch it? Like when I was in 1998 or when I was like going through my film, you know, whatever, like watching all the, these great indie films of the nineties. Um, I'm so mad at every single person who ever showed me movies that they didn't show me this movie because it would have it's absolutely wild absolutely been in my top five right now 
it's no one's fault but our own, Nick. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. like, I'm also mad at all of them. All the people who've been telling me, "Oh my God, that movie you would—that's made for you. You would love it." And I rolled my eyes and was like, "I'll get to it when I, I get know. to it." Yeah. That's how I talk when I get recommendations. I go, "Log, log, log, log." You know what? You—he really does. Um, <laughs> yeah. It sounds like I have pudding stuck in my throat. He sounds weird. like a SpongeBob character <laughs> whenever he's recommended something. No, but uh, also, I—I I need to look this up. I haven't, but I, but I'm talking to you, so I'll just ask you. Is a scanner darkly? Is yeah. that Richard Linklater? Yeah. Okay. I confuse those two, this movie and a scanner darkly for some reason. <laughs> and I don't know why, but in, in that's what stopped Neither me from watching it. Does Richard or myself or anything? Like I don't know why, but like in my head, it for some reason that was like, oh, I don't want to watch a weird. I'm not, so did I'm you not, not? I'm not going to have you seen a scanner like darkly? It. No, never. Mm. Really? Okay. Is it good? I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm I mean, trying to also be better about not saying pass, fail, good, bad, like all that subjective stuff. But I, yeah, I, think yeah, yeah. I feel this way before we get into this movie, just to talk about the Richard Linklater of it all. Thank I you. think yes. every film he's made is worth watching. I don't think they're all good, but I think that even the ones that I could say from my standpoint, hey, that wasn't I didn't that wasn't very good. There were mm -hmm. elements of that that were bad. The way that he makes his films is special and like this film included but a scanner Seriously. darkly boyhood uh, was a movie that he notoriously or famously i should say shot he, over the course of 12 years with the same he cast. is a very ex even in this in 1995 dude like yeah. he is a very exciting director like he really as soon is as, as soon as it started knowing mm -hmm. that like because the sequel is 10 years later and then the, the third one is 10 years later i i think um it was made that and he had that planned out from the beginning is so exciting there is an exciting energy to this movie before sunrise, which is shocking because it is literally a movie where two characters walk around a city and talk all night. Mm -hmm. And which, which to me excites me in the same way that like when somebody describes a fast and the furious movie to like a normal masculine dude, that's what he gets excited about. Yeah. It's really weird to call it exciting, but the, I, this was the energy around this while I was watching it, I was sucked in immediately immediately i'll also say and we, we can jump into it too after this but like i i think something about link later is like he there are directors who are storytellers like mm -hmm. hey i'm just here to tell a story and i'm not saying that he doesn't do that uh but it's like that's they're not as concerned with the movement with the, they just want to capture something they want to tell you a story they want to get yeah. you from point a to point b a three-act thing there are directors who are masters of controlling the beast right like mm -hmm. these like the michael bays and stuff like that where like what yeah. that man does is insane he is in charge of a 300 man machine no that is like running peak performance and then there are auteurs where you go like hey and that's really what richard linkletter is where i go like 100%. you are in control of every aspect of this film to where i can say you are the author of this whether you wrote it or not whether you were the cinematographer or not, whether you were holding the camera or not, you are in complete control of this. And I've, you, you see enough of his films, you might be able to stumble into one film and convince people that's what this is. But you've seen enough of them now where you just go like, yeah, you are in complete control of your craft. And like that, that mm -hmm. was this movie for me. It blew me away. He really, I, I don't know why he's been left out of the conversation. And by, by that, I mean with myself, when I think about yeah. tours, I always think of like Wes Anderson or PT Anderson mm -hmm. or, um, uh, Harry Anderson. No, just kidding. That's uh, the judge from Night Court. I was just thinking of a third Anderson. Um, but like the Coen brothers, um, 
like Quentin Tarantino, these guys who just like have yeah. a point of view and they get it across. And you know, when you're watching that type of movie, I don't know why link link later in my mind was taken out of the, the running. And I think a lot of it is because I didn't realize how many movies he had done. That was him. Um, so for, yeah. for, for people to know, like he, he started off with slacker, uh, in the ni- 1990, which like a lot of people say that that movie started the 90 indie, indie cinema of the nineties, like, push that and sex lies and videotape you'd be hard pressed to find yeah like the movies that we categorize like oh that is a 90s indie film the empire records all Mm -hmm. those films you'd be hard pressed to find one before slacker it really did it was it was slacker and and also in 1990 was or 89 or 90 was sex lies and videotape which was uh, steven soderbergh um, who went on to do the oceans movies and, yeah. and, a, and a lot of other really cool stuff. He, he was also kind of a left of center auteur type. Um, but it, it really is like slacker. If you, if you talk to Quentin, if you talk to Kevin Smith, if you talk to any of these guys who are just making all those Miramax movies, the just cranking out those indie true indie left of center uh, character study slice mm-hmm. of life films in the early nineties. Like they all point to slacker, which is really impressive because he's yeah. not from LA. He's not from New York. He's not from Europe. He's from Austin freaking Texas. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and, and also that's another part of it. Like I was, it was exciting to watch before sunrise, which takes place in around Vienna because he's just a dude from freaking Austin, Texas. And he's, he's making this film in Vienna, which is really exciting. Like there's something about that. Same thing with Wes Anderson, who is also from Austin. It like yeah. he, he, it feels like he's from like the Netherlands or something. Like, I don't, I don't know where I think he's from, but um, I think it's cool. But I, anything that kind of like subverts my expectations or like, you wouldn't think a, a dude yeah. from Texas could make such high art, but like, look, look at him go. And then from there yeah. for just for people listening, um, he kind of made a splash with dazed and confused in 93. And then this was his movie he made after that. But you also might know he directed school of rock. He directed, uh, he took these movies in between, which I love like these, these movies he didn't mm-hmm. write, but he, he, he directed. Um, and like, cause a lot of the reason now in hindsight, we realize is because he was making boyhood, which like, as Dave just said, like he was making for 12 years before that. So while he's making this movie over the course of 12 years, like checking in with these characters as they grow and everything, he's making a school of rock. He's making, uh, he's directing bad news bears. Um, he's making like fast food nation, um, scanner darkly, scanner darkly, uh, Bernie, which is a fantastic phenomenal. movie. Phenomenal dude. Everybody wants some, which no one talks about the eighties version of days and confused. So good. I don't know that one. Oh, it's great. It's literally days and confused in the eighties. It's well, phenomenal it's, though. I'm I signed up. Yeah. Um, and then, and then we, we, I don't know if we talked about it uh, on air last week, but like, he's also in the process of making a bill Hicks biopic, which is very exciting Wild. to me because I want to, and that, that's the thing with auteurs. I'm so excited to see what he's going to do with it because you know what he does with it. Nobody else would take that, that take with it, you know? Uh, so I'm, I'm very it's excited in, about this. Interesting parallel to that. Like th- this movie solidified, like Ethan Hawke is my favorite actor. I've been teetering on that mm-hmm. for a long time to know that I have fair, two more fair. performances of him playing Jesse. I am like, I, I literally, we don't get new content to get this excited about. Like I know. Um, there's like the Marvel stuff has made me realize, like I get excited about Thor and all the new stuff. I'm super into the Marvel stuff. I don't want to mm-hmm. crap on that, but like, this is a different level just of excitement. Different. This was like, this movie inspired me. It made me want to create art. Uh-huh. It made me, me want to sit dude. and talk. Me and Kate sat and talked before and after, even during, I kept pausing it. We were uh-huh. just talking about how special that film was. Like, this was art that like moved me. And to know that I have two more installments of that, it's I know. like. It, it's so exciting. I literally, when it was done, 
I, I, I did the dishes and kind of cleaned up the house a little bit. And I was just very, I just like in, in solitude, just kind of thinking. Phenomenal. And then, and then when that, when, when I did a couple of tasks around the house, I just picked my guitar up and like, it, it really, it really just made me want to create it. It was just, and it's shocking to see something 27 years later and it feel fresh and original and wild and new. that like that does not happen. That just does not happen. And uh, it, it's, and the thing that I think makes it uniquely special is it's such a simple premise. So simple. He literally lays out the premise for you, too, in the first mm -hmm. 10 minutes. Let's, if you want, we can jump into it. Let's do it. All right. I have an admittedly insane idea, but if I don't ask you this, it's just going to haunt me the rest of my life. I have no idea what your situation is, but I feel like we have some kind of uh, connection, right? Yeah, me too. Great. So listen, here's the deal. This is what we should do. You should get off the train with me here in Vienna and come check out the town. We just got into Vienna today and we're looking for something fun to do. Sprechen English? Yeah, of course, yeah. Because uh, we speak German for a change. Now I'm going to call my best friend in Paris, who I'm supposed to have lunch with in eight hours. Okay? Okay. Ring, ring. Pick up the phone. Uh, oh, hello. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it for lunch today. I'm sorry. I met a guy on the train and I got off with him in Vienna. We're still there. Are you crazy? Probably. He has beautiful blue eyes, nice pink lips, frizzy hair. <laughs> I love it. I like to feel his eyes on me when I look away. You couldn't possibly know why a night like this is so important to my life right now. But it is. Since we're never going to see each other again, I don't think we should sleep together. Let's see each other again. No, I don't want you to break our vow. Just so you can get laid. <laughs> I made notes along the way, so I'm going to read a few of the notes that I made. A number one with a bullet, by the way, is the fact that... Uh, I always say that. I never just say number one. I have to I have to have fidelity. fidelity. Yeah. yeah. And, and put with a bullet is just how jarringly handsome Ethan Hawke is like. Yeah, he's so good looking. <laughs> like I've heard, I haven't seen young Ethan Hawke, obviously, in like 27 years. So I, I'm used to Ethan Hawke, who's a little bit grizzled. He does these like he, the last 10 years. He's really made interesting choices. Such a phenomenal actor. Um, but like he is it's like we got troy from reality bites back like this is the same mm. era his hair is phenomenal he he just is on screen and he is an interesting actor immediately and very quickly in ethan hawk fashion i forget that i'm watching ethan hawk because he dissolves into this character it's interesting i said the same thing to kate she disagreed with me she really? didn't find him attractive in this i uh, the other thing that i thought was interesting it, it makes me wonder how if that's if that's a bad sample size right like there may be mm. millions of women out there going like no like he's my guy 90s ethan hawk taste. was like the shit like yeah it was him and like 90s uh jared but, leto for a while but, hold like, on but was he because where did his career go after this? Did he become like he, he's had an incredible career? Yeah, but he didn't become an like. This oh, he wasn't Brad Pitt star in the 90s. You I know what think I mean? he could have, though. I He chose indie cinema. He chose plays. He chose weird. Um, he made a lot of weird choices in the same way that like Gosling did. Like Gosling has had ample opportunity to be and he is a massive star. He's an A-lister. But like Gosling has had at the height of his fame, Gosling took a weird indie movie where he played a, a basketball coach who yeah. has a drug addiction. Like it, it, I do. like, and I appreciate these movie stars who are like, 
yeah, I'm going to be an actor. I kind of want to be a character actor still, you know? Yeah. I don't know though. I, I, my, my whole thing that I was saying is like, I, I brought that up to Kate and she was like, yeah. And then the other thing immediately after that, as I was going, he is such a nerd. He is such a skinny dweeb in this movie too. Now he he is. is, I, but it was interesting to see a guy, what I liked about his character. This isn't a criticism as much as it is like, I, I wonder how much of what we're seeing is his appeal to men. Like, because I, I want to be Ethan Hawke in this movie. I want his hair. Yeah, I want all sure. that stuff. I such want, good hair. but he also is such a normal guy. Like there's a few scenes that are so gloriously nineties where he scoots mm-hmm. past someone in a record store or something. And you go like, yeah. dude, your clothes don't fit well. And mm-hmm. you don't like, he doesn't. Whereas like now, nowadays, if this movie got made, the Jesse character would be flawless. The yeah. Jesse character would be, um, why can't I think of his name? High Adam School Driver. Musical. No, <laughs> like who, who, an actually attractive person. Who's, uh, the, I don't know. Adam Driver is something. I mean, yes. Yeah, I, I get like he's, he's a very weird stark. looking guy. Yeah. But I'm talking about High School, high school like, Musical. Like Efron? Uh, Zac Efron? Yeah, Zac Efron. Like Zac yeah. Efron and Adam Driver. I'm sorry. Like yeah. no, it's Adam Driver is the weirdly attractive band kid. And Zac Efron is what you think of as the high school football guy. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, Adam's Adam is absolutely like the weird art school hottie. Right. And know? I know, I know we were all swooning over him in, in the last Jedi and all that stuff too. But like, dude, the, he, the sh- he has like sexual charisma. I don't know what yeah. it is. It's crazy. But it was interesting to me watching this where I was telling Kate, like he's Ethan Hawke pulls off at, at the same time, the super hot nineties guy. And also kind of this really normal dweeby guy. And that's where she was like, I don't know if I think he's that hot. And it made me wonder, okay, is Kate a bad sample size for that? Or is there something about the Jesse character and that whole nineties aesthetic that is a pe- more appealing to us yeah. than it is to women? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I saw, I, cause there are those guys that are both Brad Pitt is a both. There are also those guys where there's a lot Christian of men Bale. saying I want to be him and not as many women saying I want to be with him and vice versa, true. you know, that's true. Um, but when I was a kid and I would watch like dead poet society or I would watch reality bites or I would watch, um, I like, I I was thinking about like little women or newsies. Like I wanted to be Christian Bale. I wanted to be Ethan Hawke. I wanted to be these, like these rug, almost like dark floppy haired. Yeah. These, (laughs) these dark artful, like heartthrobs who they, they, they have amazing hair and cheekbones. Always with the floppy but, hair. But they also have like really good taste in books. You know, they're all they're very well read, and they know like like the the, or the opening scene of this when Julie Delpy and him show each other what they're reading. They both act like yes, I know what that is, and I never yeah. heard of either of those books. So it, I, like that that's, and that's the thing me. though. Again, to men, I think we look at that and we go, "He's so interesting." There's a part of me that wonders if you're a woman who's been hit on by a million guys on a bus or a train right. or in a bar or in a cafe reading some interesting book that he probably isn't reading and he's just right. holding. Yeah. If they go, "Oh my god, another one of these this guy. up his ass douchebag," mm-hmm. like you know, because he kind of he kind of comes across that way a little bit in the beginning, where it's very not not like mm-hmm. I don't want to say he comes across as a d bag. He doesn't. He's always a very sincere guy. But before you get to know him, before she gets to know him, it's still before kind of a question of like, him. yeah, exactly. Like, well, what kind is of guy he, is this going to be? Is he this nice guy? Mm-hmm. To give even some background before, because I, I, I think a lot of our notes will be like our, our thoughts or our perspectives. Hopefully you've watched this movie with us, but essentially it just picks up on a train. This movie opens up on a train. Mm-hmm. You don't know where. And there's this couple fighting in German. And this girl is sitting really close to this couple. She gets kind of annoyed and gets up and moves to the next empty seat that she sees, which is right across from Ethan Hawke. And they literally that's this is. 
how the movie starts and Boom. this is how the movie goes. This is the mm-hmm. rest of the film are these incredibly long takes, these incredibly long shots. Yes. Like really, I real really- I realized like the pinball machine scene there's no cuts. No, very I went back and looked. It's like six and a half minutes where it's just them doing the scene. And it's so good. It's one of my favorite scenes. Most dialogue was all one take like, and then they would cut to another scene and there's yeah. new dialogue now, but there were even within the dialogue, there was never, you know, a camera over her shoulder and a camera over his shoulder. It was one camera right, following on these people while they just walk through Vienna. And so he essentially, they start talking. You can tell that they're starting to kind of click and feel each other. They move to a different car to sit down to one. I think the, the lounge car and he just shoots his shot and literally tells her, Hey, um, and there's parts of this conversation I want to get to before they even leave the train. But essentially, the setup of the movie is he says, hey, I'm getting off the train here because my flight leaves from Vienna in the morning. I don't have enough money for a hotel. So I'm literally going to wander around the city all night until sunrise. Come with me. All right. I have an admittedly insane idea. But if I don't ask you this, it's just, uh, you know, it's going to haunt me the rest of my life. What? Um, I want to keep talking to you. You know, I have no idea what your situation is, but uh, but I feel like we have some kind of uh, connection, right? Yeah, me too. Yeah, right. Well, great. So listen, here's the deal. This is what we should do. You should get off the train with me here in Vienna and come check out the town. What? Come on, it'll be fun. Come on. <laughs> what would we do? Um, I don't know. All I know is I have to catch an Austrian Airlines flight tomorrow morning at 9.30, and I don't really have enough money for a hotel, so I was just going to walk around. And it'd be a lot more fun if you came with me. And if I turn out to be some kind of psycho, you know, you just get on the next train. All right, all right. Think of it like this. Um, uh, jump ahead. 10, 20 years, okay? And you're married. And only your marriage doesn't have that same energy that it used to have, you know? You start to blame your husband. You start to think about all those guys you've met in your life and what might have happened if you picked up with one of them, right? Well, I'm one of those guys. That's me. <laughs> You know, so think of this as time travel from then to now uh, to find out what you're missing out on. See, what this really could be is a gigantic favor to both you and your future husband to find out that you're not missing out on anything. I'm just as big as loser as he is, totally unmotivated, totally boring, and uh, you made the right choice and you're really happy. <laughs> Let me get my bag. Yeah, I love his pickup line where he tells her, like, 30 years from now, you'll be married to some other guy in a loveless marriage, and you'll wonder what would have happened. Find out right now what would have happened if you came with me. That is um, so good. Also, um, I don't know if you read the, the trivia stuff about this, but that was an Ethan Hawke line. Oh, was it really? Yeah. No, I didn't. Well, another amazing thing that I love about this is that Richard Linkletter gave Julie Delpy and uh, Ethan Hawke co-writing credit on this. That's incredible. Because, because there were certain scenes where he was like, okay, you have to get her to do this. You have to convince her of this. What is what is that going to be? Or sometimes she would. She'd be like, hey, I'm not going to get like in that scene specifically. She was like, if you I'm not going to get off of this train unless you like legitimately like not woo me, but woo my character like that gives me goosebumps and it turns my stomach because that's two <laughs> things like the two things that I loved about this the most were the the film overall. And we'll get into many examples of this was how natural it really did. Genuinely, you really honestly like the chemistry is electric. That's mm. such a platitude. But like Jesse and Celine, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delphi are gone. Jesse and Celine are the sweetest, purest, cutest little 90s children ever. And their chemistry is unbelievable to watch this. But something that I think makes this film an absolute fantasy, 
even more so than films like One Fine Day. This film reminded me a lot of One Fine Day. It's very slice of life, just mm-hmm. kind of following people through their day. One Fine Day is more uh, a symphony of, of catastrophes, though. Uh, keep, mm-hmm. things keep going wrong and it's very chaotic and it's very this is such a fantasy not in that oh like the dude's gonna bag a hot girl or it's not the yeah. male fantasy it's not the female fantasy it is the human fantasy of finding another human with chemistry and never running out of anything to say they keep saying the right next thing not the perfect next thing nothing they say very few things they say i should say sound like the perfectly executed pickup line they're uh-huh. very real. It's very natural. It's very fumbly bumbly, but it was always the right thing because it was a thing yeah. that endeared one to the other. And that in and of itself was such a fantasy. But then hearing like what you're sharing right now with Judy saying like, you've got to woo my character. I go, that's the hardest part of meeting. Like we all dream yeah. about meeting our dream girl or guy, right? Like yeah. when, what happens when you do, you've got to have a good opening line and the line that comes after well, that. Well, that part line. is also like, obviously the movie is going to continue from there. They're not going to be like, halt, sorry, Ethan couldn't do it. But like, right. it, but it, it, it was, to, it was to put him in the moment and be like, okay, what is it going to be? Like, and he, he went away and thought about it and then came and was like, let's do this. Um, and incredible. And, I just think that's so cool. And also it gives ownership to the characters. It gives ownership to the actors to own those characters and like live in them. Well, and she's telling him too, like, I'm not letting you off the hook. You don't get just get to read the script. You don't get to show up and read the mm-hmm. script. I'm going to put that knot in your stomach. Here's a beautiful French girl sitting across the, the table from you in the lounge car on a train to Vienna. What a fantasy. Nope. You don't just get to read the line. You have to woo my character. And that's yeah. where I go. My stomach turns of like, how many times have we talked about that? Like just with, with all of our friends that are in the dating world on dating apps, yeah. that perfect openly opening line to try to get someone's attention to try yeah. to. You're going to try to convince a stranger to get off this train with you and walk around Vienna all night long. Dude, like this is how people get murdered. Like, (laughs) and he nailed it. Knowing that Ethan Hawke came up with that line. I'm like, that would have worked on any real woman in the real world because he was so honestly and sweetly and like wonderfully executed, you know? Yeah. And that you talked about like one fine day and maybe this also made me think, I I wonder if you've seen this movie. It was kind of a sleeper indie movie, but uh, in 2016, there's a movie called Blue Jay that came out with Mark Duplass and Sarah Paulson. I have not. Um, It it is very before sunrise. I I adore it. It's it's a really, it's a tough one because it's not, it deals with more drama and stuff. It's not, it's, it's a couple who has a history and you get, and you don't know what that is. And then as, as they walk around their hometown for an entire day, basically you start getting into it. And uh, you know, it's Sarah Paulson and Mark Duplass. So it's incredibly captivating and, and watchable. It's called blue Jay. Anyway, if, if this kind of, st- for anybody out there, if this kind of movie like lights you up, go, go check out. I think it's on Netflix, but they filmed it nice. in, and they literally filmed it in like, six days that's one of those but it's black and white too which is kind of interesting but uh anyway but before before sunrise even before that like just them talking back and forth in that dining car Mm -hmm. before they hop off of it um were there any any topics or or moments or anything like that that jumped out to you yeah so the main one that i was really that i love is that like assuming this was scripted that Richard Linklater literally lays out the film for you mm-hmm. in the, in that time where uh, Jesse is talking to Celine and I can't remember what he's talking about. If it's a movie idea or a TV show idea, or it was, I think it was a channel idea, but he was like, Hey, you've ever, you ever seen like public access TV? Mm-hmm. What I want to do is have a channel where it literally just shows people going through the mundane 
things in life, uh, like literally a guy waking up and making himself some breakfast and going to work and getting dressed because he says like, you know, you look out, have you ever seen just like a dog laying in the grass in the sun? You think, Oh wow, that's so beautiful and simple. Life is so beautiful. Why can't we do that with ourselves? Mm -hmm. And that's what this film is about to be for two hours. It's just us following people through the ridiculous mundane, like just, I say mundane. It's also somewhat special, but you're literally just going to watch people talk Mm -hmm. about everything and nothing and just go, yeah, isn't life in its simplicity just like beautiful? Like that mm-hmm. foreshadowing of him saying like, wouldn't this idea be crazy? And she's kind of like, I don't know, dude. She seems a little like. They do an interesting thing with it too, because they, if you told, I wonder how many people were told the plot of this movie and were like, I don't want to watch that. But yeah. because it's like, it's two people just walking around all night. What What is that? How could that even be interesting? But they, and they do this in the movie, which is kind of great towards the end where they fake phone calls. Like yeah. they, they do role play where they fake phone calls with like, Hey, you call your, I'm going to call my sister. You call your friend and tell them about this trip. If a friend of yours was like, Hey, um, I went to Vienna and like I met a girl on a train. We walked around all night. You would have 1000 questions. You don't want to hear every single detail of that night. Cause you're like, what? So why, after why, I what's, screamed what's, at them for walking around with a stranger that could have murdered them, like, you know, I know. I mean? different but, times, but, but what's the cognitive dissonance of like, I don't want to watch a movie about that. To like, if this happened to my friend, I would want to know every single detail. Oh, that's really you know, smart. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I was like, this is so incredibly, all movies should be this. This is so incredibly, it's romantic. It's sweet, but it's like, it doesn't even get into the, like you never, I wasn't worried about any kind of twist or any kind of ulterior motive on any, any other character's side. I think under a, under a less watchful, careful eye, it, they, some studio fucking with it a little bit. I think, absolutely. I think they would have thrown that in. They were like, no, absolutely. He, he has to be like the, the son of a famous person at the end or, you know, like yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. he's a, he's a serial killer. He's a genie actually. Yeah. yeah. Cause uh-huh. they actually kind of in, in, I just finished the show uh, or I've caught up to the, uh, the, the second season of the show hacks on HBO, which everybody should check out. But like there, there is a, there is a plot point in this. I think it's the first or second season. I can't remember where something similar to this happens where like one of the main characters has like a, a chance encounter with the guy who seems too good to be true. And it ends poorly. It ends like yeah. really tragically. And I'm like, Oh, it's interesting. Cause like that is what would get, if this was a TV show or, or, or like I said, under a less careful watchful eye of somebody who's like, listen, we got to get butts in the seats. Yeah. They would have somebody like commit suicide at the end or like some mm-hmm. crazy, crazy twist. But I love that. It's literally, we're just watching two people, be as present as they could possibly be because they don't know if they're gonna, ever going to have this moment again. Yeah, no, absolutely. It really was incredible. So unless you have anything else on the train, spoilers, she gets off the train with him. She sure does. Um, and I, again, overall, this this film, I don't we I don't know if you have notes on like each little vignette or or if it's just kind of in general, because they it's do in general. They do kind of like they have these little chance encounters. They meet some actors that invite them to a play. They meet just some random stuff. Mm-hmm. Nothing honestly very spectacular. And or that part worthy. And, and everybody that they bump into feels like a real person. Nobody feels like an actor. Like th- those two guys on the bridge with who were actors in that play. The way they were just talking about their play is the same thing. If if somebody ran into us and like, what are you guys doing later? Well, we have this podcast, and um, mm-hmm. you could come and listen to it. They even like they stop <laughs> and they talk to each other for a minute, like in yeah. Austrian or German or whatever they speak mm-hmm. in Vienna German, I'm not sure yeah. and like are going back and forth and then speak to each other and it's like you can tell like it's, it's kind of awkward there's no subtitles mm-hmm. similar note actually in the in the beginning when it opens up and there's people arguing on that train in German we have no subtitles so there's yeah. about like 
two or two or three minutes of dialogue with absolutely yeah. you just go like yeah, i, I read about that the, the the arguing couple at the beginning it said the man is reading a newspaper that's that uh, there's an article that says how seventy thousand women are addicted to alcohol and the squabble starts because the husband says to the wife you're one of them uh, and, and she hits him and then uh saying he's the alcoholic and he's like well i have a reason to do it i'm married to you and then they get into this huge fight so like, like i love that like you have to like it's not laid out for you. It's just, yeah, I that, love not it knowing, literally yeah. is. We feel displaced as an audience. Cause we're like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're definitely, jump. you're definitely watching from Jesse's perspective. hundred percent. Um, or, or I mean, I, or Celine's, I guess she didn't speak German either, but, yeah. um, something, what we were talking about again, kind of pre-roll pre-show, whatever about just this existential dread we've been feeling lately uh-huh. and how that's such a good, like, um, segue into talking about this film it really is in so many ways such an antidote from the start i remember pausing it for a second to tell kate when they were still on the train this guy is on a train through europe for a week we don't know why but he's been going through europe for weeks by himself we don't know why yet he doesn't have a cell phone they don't exist he doesn't have anything to entertain him with he has a book and he's sitting on these long train rides for dozens of hours throughout weeks just staring out the window and thinking to himself and even that notion made me immediately just it just slows everything down and then the same when they get off the train they start walking these scenes that are so long and there's just one take it's literally one cameraman walking backwards mm-hmm. while he's talking to this guy and he kind of circles around them they are they do the camera work is interesting they do a good job ne- you're never bored also yeah. vienna is stunning it is gorgeous um, but it just makes you completely slow down and you just it's like it's like sitting at a cafe and just eavesdropping the table next to you um like it there was something so calming about that but there were also so many vignettes that literally made me in such a peaceful way like consider my mortality (laughs) is that weird and dark like did you have that yes same absolutely well because they are okay so they are 23 supposedly uh they they mentioned being twenty three, both of them at, uh, at different points. But they the kind they have the kinds of conversations that twenty three year olds have about existential stuff, about capitalism, about like you know like mm-hmm. organized religion, like just it having was interesting firm to see how many of on it. It was interesting to hear how many of those conversations. I was like, oh, I could hear. Ha- I like we think we're having new conversations now when we're doing that. You're like, dude, people have been nope. doing that since. Nope way before us you know yeah 100 percent. even to the point where they're when they decide whether they're gonna have sex or not like she's she's going back and forth where she's like um like why why do i feel so like of course i want to but like why do i feel so torn about trying to decide whether i want to or not and then he and it, then she mentions she was like i had this like theory that like feminism was made up by a dude who just wanted to get laid um to like loosen women yeah, up yeah, or whatever yeah. and i was just like yeah if you that is also like a thing that i feel like because we are overthinkers and we're like, we, yeah. we will think something to death. We will. And, That's a cr- and, and that, that is such a good overthinker yeah. mentality because me specifically, I'm, I always try to question why I do everything that I do. I want it to all be, always be a conscious choice. I don't want to do anything in life because I was told to do it or because yeah. I've always done it this way. Like, that is how I lived the first 25 years of my life. And I, I refuse to do it anymore. So by, by, like the fact of that, I am an overthinker. Um, mm-hmm. and I have really, I have to catch myself when I land on what I think is the correct answer or the correct 
response and not continue to overthink the overthinking and then spiral yeah. into anxiety and blah, blah, blah. But when you're in your early 20s, you have nothing but time to do that. And we get to see that play out. <laughs> it's really interesting, too. I, w- I was really th- there's a scene where they're walking. She takes him to a cemetery. Um, if you can even call it that, it's tiny. It's the size of yeah. my backyard. This little bitty cemetery that she says she came to on a field trip when she was like, I think in grade school or something mm-hmm. like that. Ten and she tells him that these are they're all unmarked graves. These are bodies that washed up on the shore hundreds of years ago for lots of different reasons, but mm-hmm. most of them were suicides. Most of them jumped off a bridge into this river yeah. uh, and committed suicide. And so it's an unmarked grave. And I, I can't remember, I'm sure there's some beautiful poignant lines about why she loves it or why she's bringing him there or what, but I kind I almost kind of tuned out for a second while I was watching it, not disconnecting from what was happening, but like mm-hmm. I, maybe it's my age. Maybe it was, it's, the time we're living, I don't know what it is, if it's me or if it's everyone or or what, what I'm going through, if this is just something every 35 year old guy goes <laughs> through. But I've been thinking a lot about that. The idea that like, I'm going to die and uh-huh. not soon after I die, I will be completely forgotten. Like it won't take that yeah, long. It won't. I'm not going to have children. Me and Kate aren't planning on having children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it won't be that long after I die that no one is left that has any memory or recollection of me. I'm not going to have kids. I'm not, they're not going to have grandkids. I'm not going to. And so the idea that like, there's a person, you know, the the term Sonder, do you know what that means? Have you heard that? Sonder is an idea. Mm -hmm. It's an ideal or it's a, it's a thought that every passerby that you just bump into has their own unbelievably complex life that they're living. And you're just a passerby who may come into their, uh, in and out of their story like briefly so the idea of sonder it's this realization that like okay all of these strangers that guy that bumped into you at the uh safeway while you were grocery shopping has his own unbelievably deep complex life that you'll never know anything about i think about uh, and you are just yeah. a, a quick player in his life and so i think that idea they show up to this gravesite, and there was something like incredibly i'm finding it really calming currently i find it a little terrifying sometimes but like currently like very calming the idea that like there are people laying under these unmarked graves that nobody has a clue who they were and everybody who loved them and everybody who was sad to see them go or happy to see them go is gone and that's it like that's the end of it and there that that adds to i think the heightened feeling you have with jesse and celine where it's like all you have is tonight and after tonight all you'll have is the memory and after you guys are gone that memory will even be gone Mm -hmm. this is this is so romantically fleeting um and then there's there's a scene immediately after that one that blew me away to kind of lead into it but i'm talking a lot is there any do you have any no keep going keep going well yeah i mean it it's just it's incredibly meta for everything like that yeah it, and it perfectly fits the, the like we said like the the kind of thought process of, of all this and we mentioned it before um a couple episodes back where when you stayed with me about a month mm. or so ago and we had that existential evening listening yeah. to the kena granis and the jason isbel songs like it's the same feeling again it really is it or it really can, is it can be like if we were vampires or that kenny grant song can 100 percent bring you comfort or can bring you like a little bit of um, yeah discomfort it's like i don't the know if has, your mind space has it's like I, I there's a do i want to cry or do i want to laugh am i terrified am i super sad am i at peace i'm not sure like i am all of those things all at mm. once a little bit and yeah. to be clear hopefully you've seen this movie and you're and you're listening along with this if you haven't watched it yet and you're going like man this movie sounds really highfalutin and really morbid it's not it's it not. is the sweetest it's most accessible sweet. it really is boy meets girl it is it mm. is a 2 hour meet cute but mm. 
Richard Linklater so masterfully just folds in these layers of existentialism and like in such an accessible way. It's incredible. So what blew me away, and I have a little confession here, what blew me away was the scene immediately after that cemetery scene, they walk into a record store. I, on the last episode of this podcast, started to refer to this story because I'd already seen we our last episode That's of this right. podcast you was just you it. and I talking. I'd yeah. already watched it then. And I started to refer to this thing and to save it because I didn't want to ruin your viewing of this. I totally lied and said I went into a record store <gasps> earlier. I was like, I think like a week or two ago or like recently, like past okay, couple days. Okay, okay, okay. Which Can is I? such a, yeah. No, 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 no. I love, okay, okay. I wondered about that. <laughs> This is such a weird way to say it. I was like, I think it was like a day or two ago. I went to a record store. Like, no, the the detail, oh. knowing you like I know you, that I didn't believe was you didn't know who the artist was or the song because I know <laughs> I I know you well enough. You like because you know Kate and I have have sat with you and like rebelled over your your ability to remember lyrics and remember yeah. artists and album names and track listing. Like, is really impressive. Um, if you have a, if I, my hat trick is pulling out what, what year movies came out, yours yeah. is that. And it's so impressive. So that, and, when, and it wasn't until I was listening back to it, editing the episode that I was like, wait, what? Because I want to know what this me? song was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's the scene. It's literally their scene. Now I did go to a record store on my lunch break at yeah. work because, because of this scene. So the, there was a half lie because I a couldn't liar. tell you how I got there. And I went there looking for a feeling I didn't get. Uh, but that they do get in this scene, which mm-hmm. is what I was lying about. They walk in, they're in this record store. They're just looking around. She says, do you know who this is? He's like, I don't have a clue. And he was uh, like, me either. Yeah. She says, she goes, me either. And he goes, you want to see if the, if the listening room still works. And so they walk into this tiny little room and I say room, it's a closet. Yeah. It's, it's a closet, closet meant for one person to sit in there by themselves and listen to records, which you used to be able to do before you <sighs> I bought want them. that again. I know. Honestly, it's just, I think the 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 old records we want to sample are falling apart and they can't yeah, <laughs> they can't point. stand to play anyway but so they go in there and they play this song that is first off so heartbreakingly beautiful it's this beautiful Joni oh. Mitchell esque voice singing this lovely little folky Musetta's waltzy love song thing mm-hmm. that's so beautiful and there and again. I'm coming off of the scene in the cemetery where you see all these people that have been completely erased from memory. Um, And I'm going, no one knows who that woman was. Uh, Jesse doesn't know who that artist was. Celine doesn't know who that artist was. They've never heard it again. They don't buy the record. They put it back. And that record will probably die with that tiny little record store in Vienna. And as an artist now, I was already so engaged and inspired with the idea of mortality, not from a standpoint of like the pressure of feeling the ticking clock, but almost from the standpoint of just the freedom Mm -hmm. of going, hey, this is all you have. So stop worrying about it ending and just enjoy it. And you go into this moment now where you're hearing, uh, again, you and I are both songwriters. We're both musicians. Yep. We have reached a certain number of people. I'm sure to some people out there, they would, they would, that's all they want is to reach as many people as we've reached to other people out there. They would laugh at that and be like, are you kidding me? Like, what's the point? Yeah, what's if the that's point? if that's your only like perspective is everything, but it, it almost as an artist gave me permission. This is part of why it, it made me want to create is I go, one person if i was that artist if that's the only person that ever heard my song was jesse and celine in that beautiful little deal Mm -hmm. in that little listening room in a record store in vienna i played a part in one of the most beautiful stories ever and we can't know 
if yeah. you ever do play that part. And to me, that just, it was like, oh my God, you've opened up a whole new world of inspiration for me as an artist now to want to create. You and I have both had that in different instances because the beauty is every every once in a while, we do get to know because yeah. somebody tells us a story. And my, I have that where literally 10 years ago or something like that, there was a, a, a guy that I grew up with and didn't even grow up with him, dude. He was my next door neighbor for a summer. Wow. And we lost touch. Like when I was nine, we lost touch. Cause there was, you didn't keep in touch back then. You just like, they disappeared. It was 1990. He disappeared, like moved to Louisiana with his family and stuff like that. Well, like the MySpace era came around and then the Facebook era and he, he found me or I found him and we became friends and blah, blah, blah. Therefore, you know, cut to 2012, I'm putting out new music and, um, he clicks on a link and listen and just like, Oh, cool. This is right. You know, blah, 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 whatever. Like, it's like, Oh, Nick, this is cool that a kid the next door to me makes music. So he writes me, I still have the messages somewhere where he, um, goes on a first date with the, with, in his mind, a woman who is way out of his league and mm -hmm. he's just fumbling and bumbling all night. And, and she seems amused by him, but not in like a fun way. <laughs> and, she, and so he, he's like, dude, I was blowing it left and right. I just, it was, it was miserable. Just, it was so obvious how much I wanted her. I wanted to connect with her and she just was very suspicious about the whole thing and just wasn't having it. It's like, we get in my car and, uh, we, we get in her, yeah, we get in her car, I, I guess to go back somewhere. And he's like, I've blown that. She's driving me back to my car and this is the end of, it. I'm never going to see this, this gorgeous woman again. And right when he turned on, she turned on her car. One of my songs came up on her wow. phone. That's crazy. You, you know how that works with blue, yeah, yeah, blue yeah, yeah, like yeah. With Bluetooth. It just randomly comes up and he's like, how do you know Nick Flora? And she was like, Oh, it just came up on like iTunes recommends. Like when that used to be a thing, like, yeah. And so brings I brings that back. iTunes. Cause, cause she was like, I listened to Ray LaMontagne and it just was like, here's other white dudes who sing about their feelings. And so <laughs> and, and I came up and she clicked on it. I love this story. Cause it's so crazy. This is just yeah. a good example of it. And he was like, my man, I'm back in the game. And he turned to her and he was like, he's a friend of mine. And she was like, are you serious? I love this album. Like, it's incredible. It's I can't, I can't stop listening to it. Wow. And, and he was like, yeah, I grew up with him. This is a friend of mine. Um, and then he said from there, they just started talking about other mu musicians they were into and, and different stuff like that. And it just launches and they sat in the car for another hour and a half and just talked as people and had, then the date began. Yeah. Those two people, by the way, are married and have two kids. Today. Let's go. You saved that date. Yeah. And honestly, Nick, those children owe you every you penny for, okay. for the rest of your life. Can we get lives. that a clean cut? Can you say that again? I don't want to Yeah. No. Those <laughs> children owe you 25% of their earnings. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Thank you. Of their life. No, but that, that kind of stuff, you know, how many of those moments mm -hmm. do we never, we will never know. We will never know. And, and as any kind of creator, like you put something out there and of course you do it because it's, it's in you and you want to put something beautiful out yeah. in the world, like blah, blah, blah. That's the altruistic answer. But also we're, we're, we're needy, uh, creators, artists. We, we, we're sensitive. We would love to hear that story, you know, that I just told, like on the days when I feel like an absolute joke of an artist, like I think about stuff like that, where I'm like, you know what? I didn't think about any of that stuff when I was making those songs. Mm -hmm. Like I just wrote what was in my heart and like what I wanted to, what kind of songs I wanted to put out in the world. And like, I don't even know. I, I, I went to, I meant to go look it up before we recorded, but I, I, that song that they listened to in that booth. Um, I know one thing about it, which is cause I read a bunch of stuff about the making of this movie, which is um, that they didn't know what they were going to listen to. So mm. when they're listening to that, that is the only take of that. 
that they wow. got. So like, and it's really great because the song kind of matches, which you can do this with any yeah. song, I think, but it kind of matches where they are. Oh, it really does. It and there really, were moments really when Ethan Hawke hears it and he like looks at her and there's a, there's a bunch of great moments where he looks at her and she's not looking at him and then he looks away and then she looks at him. It's so sweet. And then he can kind of feel it and he looks at her and she kind of feels it. And then she like, mentions oh, it later. So sweet. She mentions it later where she's like, one of my favorite things about you is when you look at me and you don't know that I know I see you. And it, dude, it's so sweet. Like I was it really is it on really, the verge really of tears is. a few times because of moments like that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so I just love it's like there's such this is where I go complete control of his craft. Richard Linklater auteur because the script could be they go in there, they get close in the listening booth and uh-huh. it's the sexual tension because you've got these two young, attractive people who are mysterious to each other and their bodies are closer to each other because this thing is making them. Yeah, it's no, an that intimate setting. It is, but that's not, that that's the, that's what I would have shot. That's what yeah. you would have shot. No offense. Uh, that's Absolutely. what, that's what the Do layman would have just gone. Hey, that's what's on the page. Just shoot it. Just capture that. And I love that Richard goes like, no, I'm going to go, hey, you know who this artist is? I don't have a clue. Do you know who this is? Let's put that scene right after the cemetery scene, too. I want people mm-hmm. to subconsciously be wrestling with their mortality, and then I want them to be faced with the beauty of, hey, those people are just as forgotten as this artist, but both of them got to play a really sweet and special role in this incredible and just mm. one day imagine how many that. other days those artists or that cemetery those people may have had the chance to play a role in the whole point is like you never know you never know who sonder right you never know the complex mm-hmm. stories that other people are living and you never know how yours is going to interact with theirs mm-hmm. and and maybe you never find out about it which is almost more romantic i want to find it out, is more but. romantic <laughs> but uh, but even the, the meta part of this is there is a person that's a yeah. real cemetery they went to. There's yeah. a person on a movie being distributed around the world saying, <laughs> yeah. this is an unknown person that people will forget about. Guess what? It, dude, it's how many years later and we are talking about them. We don't know their names Crazy. necessarily, but like by, by virtue of that being put into a movie, that scene, we are now talking about these people by virtue of this. Like I wanted to go on Spotify and try to find that song. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's on the before sunrise soundtrack or whatever, yeah. but like, but it, it's, it's so cool that mm-hmm. like, we immortality can be reached maybe not immortality really but like no absolutely legacy can be reached or like it can live long after we're gone specifically through art through like this song had a life beyond um you know whatever whatever bandwidth it had when it was released you know if it was even on the radio or if radios were even you know the airwaves Mm -hmm. even like welcome something like that but you're right it sounded like a kind of like a, a Joni Mitchell type of type artist but that's yeah. the thing too it's like we don't we we and this isn't a, a statement of agnosticism or nihilism or Christianity or atheism or anything you just go like this is all we know this is literally all this we know there's we know. a lot of people who have a lot of ideas some more educated than others but this is all we know so yeah. when you talk about like well not true mortality but it's like well it's the closest thing to it because yeah. like how many movies are there with some tropey line about like death is undefeated? You know what I mean? Like still has gotten has come for everybody. Um, Right. Like I get that, but it really, that's the only provable way we've seen to live on. Dave Ramirez has a really, David Ramirez has a really good record called we're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's literally what it's about. At the end of the song record, he has a song called I'm not going anywhere. And he says like, you can bury me in the ground. You can spread my ashes. I don't care. I'm not going anywhere. And he's talking about like, after I'm gone, I will be in that jukebox. I'll be on that yeah. phone. I'll be on that CD. I'll be on that record. Like, I, I'll, yeah, I, this will go away, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm leaves, mm. leaving something behind, you know? And that's, 
um, to an artist, I think mm-hmm. to most people, but especially to an artist, everyone wrestles with legacy and some people try to solve that with children or with money or with mm-hmm. who knows what, but like to an artist, that is Dude, I'm not kidding. Mortality, you know? I, I picked up a guitar after this was over because I had the thought mm-hmm. while I was watching this movie, why am I not right? Every unique or significant thought that I have or feeling that I have, why don't I have a song about that. Like, why am I not writing a song every single yeah. day? And even just putting it on a hard drive or putting it on Spotify, but for it's almost just like sending out, out something, you know, into space or sending out like throwing a, a message in a bottle into the ocean. You're like, this will reach somebody. It's not my job to control where it ends up. It's just my job to do it. And my, one of my favorite lines in the, in the movie, which this leads into it perfectly is when Celine says, I believe that if there's any kind of God, it wouldn't be in any of us, not you or me, but just this little space in between. Mm. If there's any kind of magic in this world, it must be in the attempt of understanding someone sharing something. I know it's almost impossible to succeed, but who cares really? The answer must be in the attempt. And I'm like, holy I, God, what on earth? <laughs> like, and I'm not kidding so you, Dave, Dave Gregory, I shit you not. This, I guarantee you, I could watch this movie multiple times through the course of my life. I needed this movie in 2022 when we watched it. Like I'm sure I would have had profound moments with it, but you know how everybody's like, Oh, I wish I could go back and watch, you know, my favorite movie for the first time again, or listen to my favorite album for the first time again. Like, I feel like I got to do that. That's so real. That's way. so well said. No, that's that's really it. Really is true. Especially as is I I rewatch so much. I consume so much content every day. I watch Me podcasts. Too. I listen to podcasts. Me too. I I listen to a podcast while I'm watching a podcast and <laughs> yeah, scrolling same. on TikTok. Like it's a nightmare. I listen to our podcast. Yeah. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. Um. And I. Like, yeah, this movie, it really was like the perfect time. I told you last week on the podcast, like we were supposed to watch it last week. I can't remember what day. And Kate went to the gym and then just went and started running all these errands. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Uh I forgot I was supposed to come home and watch this. Let's watch it. And she was being really sweet and she's trying to make it up. And I was just a little pissy. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not even mad. 100%. Thanks for apologizing. Not a big deal. Let's just watch it tomorrow because I just have a little bit of just ugh, still left mm-hmm. and I really want to be yeah. in the right place. Like, and I think even if we'd watched it then, that would have been fine. But like, there really was something about like, man, there, there's a question on Brett Goldstein's deal where he says like uh, his podcast films to be buried with where he says like, what's a film you'll never forget? Not because the movie was so great necessarily, but because of the circumstances mm-hmm. under which you saw it. Love and this is one question. of them. I will never forget. I didn't watch it the night before because I was a little mad. I wanted to be in the right headspace. I sat like that night that I watched mm-hmm. this movie was profound. And it really was because of the movie, not even yeah. necessarily the circumstances, but it was like, man, I needed that that week. I needed it. I've been, if anything, a little frustrated that I can't watch. I haven't watched the sequel yet because I didn't want that in my head while we were having this conversation. But honestly, I want to savor it. Well, and the type of week that I've been having, I am looking forward to that next movie, kind of like a salve. Me almost. Too, I'm dude. like, I Me need too. that on my soul right now. You know? Oh, if you don't think I'm starting that movie the second we're done recording this, <laughs> you're an insane person. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm like, oh, it, my gosh. I can actually say confidently the only I have one gripe about the whole film, and that's that I know it's a trilogy. Yeah. Like if you got to watch this movie in 95, which we can talk about the ending here in a minute yeah. and just think that's the end of it. Let's talk about that part. I guess. Is there anything else that that before kind of the, the ending, any other notes you have? I mean, we'll kind of to- we'll kind of bounce around a little bit because there, there, there are certain topics that they brought up or, or certain moments like that, yeah. that, that the the attempt quote 
that I things the little things I wrote down that I wanted to get your your take on. But no, go ahead. No, it's really um, well. No, let, let's go through that stuff because I wanted to jump to like how the film ends and what I loved about it and why I I wish I didn't know there was a sequel coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so there's a scene. Uh, there's a couple different scenes that I really adore, and, and it's so funny because they the first people they meet when they're walking around Vienna is the these two actors who are on this bridge um, who are talking about this weird avant-garde play that they're in and i i was like oh my god we're gonna get to see this play and then i forgot all about it until towards the end and i'm like oh i when are they gonna go to the play and then they mention at the end oh we totally forgot to go to this play (laughs) i laughed out loud yeah i was like i was like oh yeah i was waiting for this but i also kind of forgot about it yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent. It um, was so real. It was so real. And uh, so there, there's a moment that I love where they, um, it feels like the most, it's the most, the part that's the most romantic comedy other than one other part, which those, the, these two parts are my favorite. Um, but they, they are walking along, uh, the river and there's a poet sitting out there and he, he's like a street poet. And he's like, listen, if you'll tell me, if you'll give me a word, I will write a poem right now. And, uh, about, about that word. And if it adds value to your life, you can pay me for it. And if yeah, it doesn't, says, I don't, you, I don't want to be a regular beggar. I don't just want to beg for money. How about a, a, a mutual yeah. exchange? I get to create if it yeah. adds value. Yeah. So cool. And, and he, and they, they kind of take a minute to like go off and talk, have another, have a conversation. And we get to see kind of a bounce back before back and forth between him writing it. And you see a moment cause the word they use is milkshake. Cause it's an inside joke on, on something that they were talking about a second ago. And, it's really funny to watch him kind of go the poet be like, Oh shoot. Like, and then, and then when he delivers, we, I kind of think it's going to be a joke or something. Um, and when he delivers, it's really kind of beautiful. Um, but there's a thing that happens because there's also a moment earlier in the movie where, where there's a a woman who comes up and reads their fortune. And this is the part where I was like, I think this is going to, be a problem so mm-hmm. this movie I, I i'm curious going forward we can talk about our our, our guesses going yeah, yeah, forward yeah. on this later but like i'm curious going forward if him being ethan Hawke's character of jesse being a little bit skeptical of any kind of spiritual any kind of any anybody he doesn't believe that anybody about anything is, period is he, any, is he he doesn't trust anybody is fully who they say they are i think including himself he like second guesses himself a few different times and i'm like and he talks kind of about why that is because, you know, they talk about their parents' relationships and, and all this different stuff. And he had a moment early on that he talks about where he, when he was a kid where he saw his, his grandmother who passed away through a rainbow in a sprinkler. And he's like, and it was in that moment where he was like, that was the moment where he was like, I believe in something bigger than myself. And then his, his mom was like, are you crazy? Like, yeah. almost dead in the ground. Stop, you know, this foolishness. And that's what, that's the message she took away from that. And you really see that. And with Celine, she's a little bit more, she's a little more open to that stuff. And, but I wonder going forward, if he's yeah. going to double down on that a little bit more, because yes. you, you almost feel like there's going to be a fight. Numerous like, times. You can read it very clearly on Celine's face that she's mm-hmm. very not attracted to this that. trait mm-hmm. that like, yeah, she gets her palm red and then they walk away and he goes, Ooh, like she just mm-hmm. has one thing. She we're says to every young couple. Like, oh, we're, yeah. Yeah. Well, she just has one thing. She says, then even with the poet, they get that thing and it really mm-hmm. is poignant. And he goes, you know that he has that written and then just probably sticks a word in it. Which, like, which we saw over like, and we, over. We see the blank page that the poet starts and it's not, it seems like it's real and it came up in that moment. He was like, yeah, it seems like it's kind of plug and play. Like you just put some stuff in there and like, and, and I've been with those people and I've also been that guy. And I know yeah. from both sides of it, it's way 
more fun to just be the guy who believes the thing that is happening in front of you is actually happening. And that guy ruins conversations to be like, you know what? It's probably not, you know, he thinks he's being helpful and interesting and he's not. It's it's it really is true, and I am I am a hundred percent that guy. Often every week, I'm both of those people. But I yeah. I do I do lean if I'm not careful towards being the 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 uh, the cynist. That's not a word. The cynical guy. The um feels right. The the you know what I mean. The the logician. The cynic. The, the cynic. There you go. Um, there's an old uh, there's an old quote from a book that is largely nonsense but has some beautiful moments in it called orthodoxy by gk chesterton it's a theology book you don't need to read it but there's a line where he talks about they're talking about the poet versus uh the logician is the word he used but he says uh the poet is always uh, the logician the poet's just trying to get his head into heaven the logician is trying to fit heaven into his head and it's his head that splits Mm. and like that idea that like dude the poet just wants to be there Mm. i just want to be in the party the logician is going like oh i have to understand it i need to understand the concepts of the afterlife Mm -hmm. the poet's going i just hope there is one and that i get in you know um and that's I, I I again it's what we were talking about again before this podcast or I think it maybe even a, a little bit after we started here of the idea that like there is this curse of intelligence of intellect of knowledge Jesse is a hundred percent as a young guy is at a crossroads where he is going to we're about to see if he becomes a man who gives in to that mm-hmm. um that intelligence that makes you second guess and doubt everything and see the worst in people and and be on on the on the defense all the time or if this if this encounter may change him you know what i mean with celine or you know what i mean the the idea that like no i'm gonna choose to because he does have the moments where he talks about oh we see the dog lying in the sun how come that doesn't get to just be beautiful and like he wants to be the poet yeah. But like you said, like maybe it is. That's a great call with like that story with his mother, mm-hmm. like that conditioning that's told him, no, stop, don't put away that nonsense. You know, um, that's yeah. like the but you didn't see struggle. what you thought you saw, like that thing you experienced. That isn't real because those things don't happen. So like like grow up already. It's just it's just kind of like killing the dream, killing the dreamer. Like yeah. killing the dream by killing the dreamer. Like it's yeah. it's which which a lot of people deal with that. Like if if especially if you grew up with in a household where um, that like, that's how parents loved you was, was, was giving you the truth, the hard truth, man. I was like, and I know this because like I've, I've lived a lot of life and I have a lot of skeptical stuff about a lot of romantic things. Yeah. But like, I'm not going to hand that to my children. I'm going to like, when we talk about God, we do it the same way we talk about Santa Claus. It was like, does it bring you joy to think about that? Yeah. Well then, then cool. Like let that be your reality. Because honestly, like, like you were saying, like, the, the, I don't know, the, the foremost yeah. scholar and my seven year old who's who's going to bed here in a minute, like they both know the exact same amount for sure about what happens after people mm-hmm. die. So, like, why not just believe what you want to believe? Just don't force other people to do it and make laws surrounding it. But Absolutely. anyway, just to add to that, like I, I really did. I felt such an empathy like for him in those cynical moments because yeah. I. I have ruined relationships with that. I've ruined sweet, fun, budding relationships by being that guy because I thought like, well, she wants a guy who like knows or she wants a guy who like has the answers. Like it's that it's where the idea of mansplaining came from. It's Uh where the idea of women saying, I just wanted to vent. I didn't want a solution. It's more traditionally, more often than not, it's the guy who wants to solve it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And like, I, I really, I was empathetic towards him for that. But you're right. I also, the thing I loved about this film, I kept waiting for that fight to happen, though. I kept waiting for her to go, you always do this. You've done this three times tonight. And it, yeah. it doesn't happen. You see her 
visibly shut down and be turned off when he's doing that. But she she very sweetly, though, kind of like playfully pulls him out of it. And I thought that was a really a really nice touch, you know? OK, so there's a scene that one of my favorite scenes is when they're in a bar and they're playing. Uh, they're trading back and forth playing pinball and yeah. they're talking about relationships. And here it comes. Like, I keep waiting for like, OK, one of them is married or one of them. This is going to be like an up in the air moment where it reveals that one of the one of our like lovelorn travelers is actually like you know married and has kids or whatever and and it doesn't happen but like they talk about their relationships and this one stung for me specifically because i'm i'm dealing with some uh, mm. some emotional stuff um <laughs> revolving <laughs> relationships ending but uh oh this like this is gonna be hard to read dude because i have a i have a thing I, with being, you. I have a thing with being like remember i'll talk about why this this hurt me but he jesse says you know what's the worst thing about somebody breaking up with you it's when you remember how little you thought about the people you broke up with. And then you realize that is how little they are thinking of you. You know, wow. you'd like to think you're both in all this pain and they're feeling the same as you, but it's really just like, Hey, I'm glad he's gone, which wow, that as a two and my, <laughs> as a, two, I mean, a lot of people have this, but as a two specifically, I want to be chosen daily. And I want to be, I want when I'm the first one to leave a party for everybody to be like, Hmm, a little worse now that he's gone yeah. and, to, and and like my biggest fear is that everybody's like man the party really picked up around 7 30 what happened around that time oh nick left let's not invite him next time like i want to be included i'm also the baby of the family which you are too so there's like this perpetual like the first seven years of my life i was left out of the conversation because i went to bed an hour and a half yeah. for everybody else i'm like kill me and i would literally sit at when we at the top of the stairs when we had stairs where i like sit by my by my door and just like put my ear to the door or if it was, I would ask my mom to crack it. Cause I was, I was told her I was scared of the dark, which I was not. I just wanted to be cracked so I could hear the TV and wow. hear the conversations they were having about like, you know, Knight Rider or whatever the hell they were watching. I was like, I I'm, I'm such a like FOMO freak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? And I know you are too. So I'm like, Dude, we, we bond on this so hard, but like that part, that line, honestly, like I, I out loud was like, Wow. <laughs> like just, because because I am dealing with a very similar situation where I'm like, I'm not talking to this person right now. And in my mind, I want to believe that they are also feeling the deep, deep melancholy missing of me, which they probably are because you know it it, it uh, healing goes in waves. But like, what if they're not? What if they're over there being like, Oh god, I finally got rid of that dude. <laughs> That's so painful. So painful. Man, I every single scene, every vignette has a moment like that. It really does. Yeah. There, there are dozens we can't even get to. It's so good. But yeah, I can't tell you favorites. how many parties I've been to in my twenties where my friends are going, what's wrong with you? This literally has, this party has all your best friends and all the things you love. And mm. I go, you know, what's wrong with me? I showed up and you pieces of garbage were already having a good time. That's what's wrong. <laughs> I wanted to show up to a sad yeah. little room and be like, okay guys, yeah, watch this here. and mm -hmm. start the party. And yeah. the fact that I didn't start it, means i don't want to participate in it like you know it's yeah, like dude, so that's petty real. for that, so many years no, but that's so incredibly real that, that that was i think i had a part of that too like i want to be a part of this i i just i think my i had a, i have this need to feel special which is why i think before i did the enneagram test i thought i was a four because the four is like the independent the four is the like the the special number where we need to feel what's the word for it um uh, the individualist. That's what it is. So we need to feel like an individual. We need to feel like we have this, like I say, we fours need to feel like they have this genesis qua. They kind of like a lot, like when they get plugged into it, it makes everything better. And here's the thing. We are all completely unique. Once you get down to like a granule, more granular level, 
but like we can't like always be that sometimes we do fit a mold and blah 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 or whatever or like the energy we bring to a party it's already kind of there we're not really like adding to it um but i wanted my entire life i've always wanted to be the the special one i've always wanted to be the person where the teacher is yelling at the class and then they they look at me and yeah. wink and say not you nick like what is that like it's because I think that if I'm not, then I am nothing and I'm easily forgettable. And therefore I cease, yeah. I cease to exist because as a two, especially I need to be in relationship with somebody or I have no purpose. And that has been a huge part of my work in the last three or four years, especially is knowing that like I have worth and identity, even if other people don't grant me access to tell me or show me that um, even if I don't receive love in the way that I receive love or, or approval or whatever you want to call it. Um, it doesn't mean that it, it doesn't exist. Like other people can't give me anything or take anything away from me that I don't willingly allow them to. So that is what I got from that one line. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jesus. I think that's great. That's, that's so good. Drink. It really is. It's so relatable too. It's that's the, that's the thing about that line though, is that it's not a, that's not a you thing. Yeah. You are an Enneagram too. And like, that that will tell us things about your motivation. But sure. I think that's the beautiful thing about that line. What he's talking about is he's like, Hey, everybody has mm -hmm. gone through that. Like, this mm -hmm. is so not, this is an Enneagram four is nightmare. Like, this is so not, you're not <laughs> special. Like you're just like everybody else. And that is special. Like it really is. It's not nihilism. Mm -hmm. It borders on it to go it like, does. Hey, this is all going to be gone. You'll never have it again. At one point in the night, they literally decide, this is going to be, I don't even know if we've mentioned that yet. They decide at one point in their date, this is going to be our last night consciously. Let's agree. Mm -hmm. We're only going to do first names. We won't look each other up. This is it. We don't exchange information or anything. Let's really just live in tonight. They're having this very young conversation, young people conversation mm -hmm. about relationships and what's the point of them anyway. And let's, they all end anyway. Let's just be present. Let's just, and that it's kind of romantic. Mm -hmm. But like there is something about, again, that idea of like you're going to die and everyone's going to forget you. That's so sad. It really is so sad. But this movie finds a way to help you accept that and maybe like, no, 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 no. Maybe that it's just means like it, it's the we were vampires thing. Mm -hmm. If we were vampires thing, that song that you brought up years ago, years ago, episodes back. <laughs> It feels like years ago, yeah. weeks ago, um, where he says, like, hey, the fact that this is all going to end is why it's so special. Yeah. If we were vampires, we'd go out and have a smoke and be bored mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah or whatever, you know. But we're not. One of us one day is going to be alone. One of us is going to go and leave the other one of us alone. And that's why this is so freaking special. And yeah. similarly, even with the relationships that have ended, I have the worst breakup I ever had. Uh, the person I was in a relationship with told me, hey, I don't I don't regret this. Like, I I'm glad that you came into my life when you came into my life. I needed that. That was mm -hmm. necessary for me. It unlocked all of these things for me and I'm a better person for it. And now that's over like that hurt even more that they were like, you've served your purpose. But at the same time, it was like, well, that that was a small death in and of itself. And that was like cathartic looking back on it now to be able to go like oh man that she was just so much more mature than i was and understood yeah that like the death of something can give the time you had with it so much mm -hmm. more meaning you know i heard ray romano say once which is it's i love that this is the the quote that i remember from ray romano other <laughs> other than hi um <laughs> right. uh where he, he says when he has anxiety like it's the whole Hubble telescope thing, right? Like the first, the first image of the earth from Hubble telescope, it's like super tiny and minuscule. And, um, that like that brings people comfort or it brings people like dread. 
to be yeah. like, for me, it brings me comfort to know that like the, the, the universe is so much bigger than my little problems. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't sweat it so much. That's what it tells me. And this is what this Ray Romano thing says too. When he, he was asked on Pete Holmes podcast, if he believed, you know, in, in an afterlife and, and what he thought about death and, and legacy and all this stuff like that. And he was like, you know what? I always think hundred years, all new people. Yeah. And I, and I feel better. I'm like, when, when I, cause like, cause I used to sweat it when I was like on the road and I would say something stupid to a hotel clerk and I'm like, Oh God, I, I'm going to lose a night's sleep thinking about how I said this dumb thing to that waitress or like, I didn't pay back that friend who yeah. loaned me 50 bucks. And I was like, you know what? hundred years, all your, all, all new people. Like what literally, are we, what are we doing? Like, like again, literally that's the Kina Grannis song for now where she says is. like, and maybe, it's, maybe enough. it's enough that for now we are the ones later. It'll be other people, but for now it's us. And maybe that's enough. And that's <sighs> the, ah, this movie is, I know, they man. found a way to, to go like, Hey, when they say, Hey, we're not going to meet up again. Uh, we're not ever going to look back on this. We're, we're, we're only going to have this night in memory. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's enough that like for now we, we had this and that's it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the end, they've had this unbelievable night together. We're in love with both of them. If you don't want this to be spoiled, by the way, if you're listening to this like an idiot and you're like, yeah. I haven't watched this movie um, and you want to watch it, just pause it, go watch the movie and then unpause it right now. Okay. Literally. And honestly, I could even say knowing how this ended, I don't think it would have like, no, if I'd known everything that happened in this movie, I would still never forget because it really isn't. Same. And this is the same with all of Linklater's films. I really believe that. Mm. I, I need to look through. Maybe not all of them. Not School of Rock and, and a couple of those. But like he Bernie. didn't write that one. He just directed it. Right. But the ones that are his where you go like, hey, this is knowing how it ends. Like the, it, the, his films are about the journey, not the destination. A hundred percent. It's about and, the attempt. Like Celine says. Literally. It's about the attempt. And that's the thing. So this movie, you see them. They're having their... They've had this incredible night. And he is dropping her off at her, at her train now. Her train is going to uh, take her to Paris. And it's the first time you really are seeing... Neither of them are saying it. Neither of them are yeah. saying, I don't want to do this. Not see each other thing again. And you're like, someone say it. Like, someone, someone, someone say it. Someone say it. Like, oh, my God. And uh, first off, one of the best performances by Judy Delvey ever. Like that that moment, that Celine moment, her mm -hmm. face is kind of over his shoulder. You're more so seeing her. It was so beautifully acted. She looks so distressed and so terrified. And they it's kind of bittersweet like the solution they arrive at i think it was the perfect ending mm -hmm. they don't they don't just say goodbye and leave each other there without following up they don't just close this chapter forever but they also don't give each other their last names their addresses or their phone number or any of that what they say is in six months let's meet back here on this platform in front of this train they don't give a time. They don't say specifically what day, six months from this train departure or just like in general six. Like, that's all we get. That's it. We have a date, not a time, not a like nope. that terrifies me. I have had conversations with my friends where I talk about just traveling internationally with friends. Mm -hmm. The idea that you would just go to Rome and meet up with friends there without cell phones sounds yeah. like a Mission Impossible movie to me. Like, Dude, how do I, people I did that. that. I went to I took a trip with a college group. My parents were college professors when my senior year of high school, instead of walking with my class, I went to Europe and I went to Rome and Florence and Vienna and Amsterdam and Prague. And it was amazing. And I wish, I wish I could go back cause I did not understand or respect it at all. I was like, yeah. I just couldn't, I was 18. I couldn't do it. And we literally met up with people that we got split up from. And I don't know how we did it. I don't know how we did it. I think we just stood around for Wild, hours man. looking, making eye contact with everybody, hoping to see somebody we knew.
I think that was half of vacations in the 90s, was just you walking around hoping you bump back into your family before Seriously. they leave with the, with the Winnebago. But like, I loved, th- that's the end of the movie. She gets on her train, he gets on his plane. I don't even think we see him on the plane, right? We do we? We, uh, we, we just, just see her on, on the train. bus on the way to the train mm-hmm. or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. But like, all, it, this is what I was saying. That's my one complaint about it is that I know there's a sequel with the same characters. This is a trilogy that revolves around yeah. Jesse and Celine, and each one takes place roughly 10 years after the last, which is, again, what a mind blowing feat and what a beautiful thing that we even have that. Like, I'm so excited that we have that to look forward to. But the fact that it, it just ends with, all right, see you in six months. June 16th on this platform. Mm-hmm. Roll credits. <laughs> like, what? What? In the words of the immortal Lil John. What? <laughs> <laughs> also, can you imagine having seen this film in 95? Loved everything about it. It's in my top mm-hmm. five. This movie. Oh, Before Sunrise. You're that annoying guy. Have you seen Before Sunrise? Have you seen Before? All that stuff. Yeah. And then finding out in 2004, by the way. By the way. There's a sequel with Jesse and Celine. We're going to see what happened 10 years after that movie. That would have blown. My heart yeah. would have exploded. And not only that, the only thing that I do know about these movies is that they're all a slam dunk. Like when people talk about, they don't talk about Before Sunrise. They yeah. talk about the trilogy. Which makes trilogy. me so happy yeah. because my worry is being that guy who loved it in 95 and seeing they were making one in 2004. Imagine 2004, dude, you're going in to see Garden State or some shit and you see a trailer for a sequel to the movie that you loved Unreal. 10 years before and they're picking it up 10 years later. Like that is I would I would have lost my mind. I would literally. Have lost my mind absolutely it's, it's so the same, exciting it's the same as if we would have walked into a movie theater in 2005 and seen like oh we're gonna see we're gonna catch up with the wonders but in 19 oh 1972 God. are you kidding like, me right like that would have been absolutely like ah oh, like i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna get to see steve's on with like some mutton chops because it's like 70- i'm still here for it i still want to see it. we'll see the wonders in the 90s or whatever it is like i, I don't know. care we can see them as old washed I, I, up want, I really during the 20th anniversary which was two years ago i think of uh almost famous there were people asking cameron crow like because everybody who came back and to talk about that, that one movie, i don't want yeah <laughs> so they, they everybody was like i'm on board with like i want to see where everybody is in 1993 and uh like william miller is like working for rolling stone making his first movie and all this stuff and and cameron crow was like hmm, I, I don't i don't think anybody really wants to see that it's fun to imagine but like, yeah. it's not going to be a good outcome for a lot of those people. Well, the truth is, I don't want to see what happens to Jesse and Celine. I just want like, mm. if you just if that's all we know, like really, honestly, thinking about the wonders, thinking about that thing you do about Almost Famous. I don't want to see what happens to that thing you do. I love that it ends. Yeah. And that we do get the post. We do get a little thing bit. You do, a little bit. But I'm like, I don't want to see guy and phase marriage and their fights and all that crap. I just want to live in this beautiful little period mm. piece. Same with Almost Famous. Honestly, kind of same with Before Sunrise. I'm just like, that was a perfect film. By the way, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. 10 out of 10. It is. It really is. There are no problems with this movie. The one after it is a 94%, and then the one after that is a 96 or 98%. Um, and That's so it's wild. like they are all. So the fact that they did what they shouldn't have done, which was a sequel, I'm watching this movie and I know in my head that there is a sequel and that it's great. And so we're saying, oh, how impressive. But we haven't seen it yet. No. And if I just if I just take what I know about movies and my experience with sequels with this type of film, they shouldn't have made one. 
Yeah, yeah. You don't. It wasn't necessary. We don't need to see it. Let us just live in that twenty-three-year-old wonder that was that perfect night with Jesse and Celine. You know, I know. I know. Uh, real life ruins that stuff with the ten years later. Let us. We'll live real life on our own. We don't need that crap. I know. But I will. I am immediately going to go watch a scene. It's perfect. Go this, watch this movie if you have. This it, like, is. Right I now. mean, we're we're uh, almost to like almost twenty episodes into this. This is my favorite movie we we've watched so far. And, Easily, uh, and I and I, and I think that there's some recency bias to that, but like legitimately like i am so excited to re- revisit this movie we have covered three of the films on my top five and yes, this we has have. been my favorite episode we, of we've my covered favorite movie my favorite movie of all time and your favorite movie of all time and this is my favorite movie we've talked about so far this i cannot believe i'm looking at the clock right now we're at an hour and 38 minutes this is shocking this flew by there are so many other things i could say about it it flew by i'm also proud of us though because i know that hour and 38 has a lot of junk in it too and like i think this will be i don't think a lot well, I don't mean junk in terms of like, I just mean like there was there was a little bit of lead up there where I'm going like, I think this will be one of our most concise episodes, yeah. too. You, you we, said, we, we've done you did say a lot of stupid things that I'm going to take out. But like other than that, like, <laughs> no, no, I think no, we've no, done a lot of hour and 38 episodes where it took us 40 minutes to get to the movie. <laughs> a groove. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think this is. Um, Dude, but I, that, I think that so speaks too. that speaks to the film because I was so excited to get 100%. into it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Sweet. Some uh, some housekeeping. We doing yeah. it? Are you, are you doing it? Am I doing it? Go okay, follow if, us if everywhere. You, yeah, go follow us. Everywhere. But before, before that, like, honestly, like, watch, go watch this movie if you haven't. Watch the others as well and come back and, like, en- enjoy this with us. Like, we want to yeah. hear from you guys. You know, a lot of this is is two dudes just talking about movies and stuff like that. But, like, this is an opportunity for you to, like, experience this with us as well if you if this is like some of your favorite movies like let us know write in dm us uh betterman film club at gmail.com email us tell us why what are some stuff that we missed like was it annoying or fun to hear us talk about this movie for the yeah. first time like I, I i want this to be as much of a conversation we don't say that enough but like yeah that's yeah true. absolutely like watch these with us and 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 join in we're literally glued to socials. Better Men Film Club yeah. on uh, Instagram, Better Men Pod on Twitter. He's Nick Flora everywhere. I'm Dave Wears Black everywhere. Honestly, like, let's talk about this all day while we're doing our jobs. Um, <laughs> Seriously, I <laughs> will prioritize it, it was this thing where, like, there are so many things going on in the world and, and they're all important. But, like, I honestly, when I was watching this movie, I, I couldn't think of anything more important that I could be doing. It just felt like. Because ultimately at the end of the day, like I think we are built for connection. We Mm -hmm. are, we are as much of all the bullshit that's going on, like, you know, in the world, micro macro, like I think that in this movie is in its purest form about connection with two people, two strangers. And I think we all have a little bit of like, I know I do as somebody who traveled for most of his career. Like I have the daydreams where I'm like, what if I went over and talked to that cute girl at the coffee shop and we went for a walk yeah. around the city for the, the whole day. Um, you've had this thing before where you're like, you're like, I'm in a new city. You're like, go, go up to somebody and just say like, Hey, what are you doing right now? Let's go. You know, yeah, that is, yeah, that is yeah, what yeah, this yeah. movie is, man. Like it, it is, it is helping us like exercise that fantasy. Stop watching the TikTok videos where they go, I'm going to try to convince a stranger to go to Europe yeah. with me right now and go watch the movie <laughs> where they did it. Just go watch this movie and then go back yeah. to the TikToks. I'm watching them too. But I mean, like, take a break from them. It's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, okay. So I had the quote last week. I'm not a licensed teacher, but I have been touched by your kids. And I'm pretty sure I've touched them too, which is Dewey Finn, Jack Black from Richard Linklater's 2003 film, <laughs> uh, School of Rock, which... Another classic. I think, honestly, front to back, 
a perfect movie for, for it really what, it was, is. what it was trying to do. It's so incredibly wonderful and satisfying. That's so another good. movie with Back to the Future that like I'm going to show my 12 year old and I'm very excited to show him. Absolutely. Um, oh, that's so fun. Because he already knows it, which is so fun because he knows Jack Black from uh, Kung Fu Panda. And honestly, like I showed him a bunch of different Jack Black uh early quarantine covid youtube videos and he's like this guy is hilarious i'm like you have no idea dude like yeah wait till you can listen to cuss words my guy (laughs) i know i was like i can't wait to show you tenacious deep softly yeah Um, (laughs) okay so you have the movie quote you're going to end on this week i did you ready for this yeah let's do it i just want to find a fish who isn't afraid of my dark chocolate layer and of course she'd have to love my cookie too 